Today on Sticks to Football, we break down week one of the preseason, giving you our favorite moments, the best players, and also going game by game, looking at who stood out and who didn't. But fellas, first and foremost, I missed you. Welcome to the show, especially you, Connor. We missed you on the Friday morning show. But boys, it's be back. Uh, I don't know if you've looked at the weather yet, Connor, but in one week, you and I will be sitting in Las Vegas together and it will be 108 degrees. The good news is that our stickies can come see us record three in episodes air <laughs> in the air conditioning in the dark casino with no windows or clocks. Three episodes of Stick to Football will be recorded at Caesars Palace next week and then Saturday at noon local time. In Caesars Palace, Mel O'Connor and myself will be hosting a pre-game event before Miami and Florida kick off. College football starts very, very soon, 13 days from right now. I'm so excited, but I also think this is going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. I can't believe that our bosses greenlit us taking over a casino for a pregame event. But you know what? If it if we catch it on fire, it was their fault. They clearly weren't on the tailgate tour, but I am excited about it. And I'm sure that after our meetup on that Saturday, you will be able to catch us somewhere watching a football game possibly even having some beers yeah if you're going to be out there i know we've already heard from a couple people but if you're going to be out there saturday is really the day i mean we're going to be doing stick to football three times during the week and a lot of other different work but if you want to have some fun and see a real kickoff to this college football season because you know how much we love that on this show saturday will be really fun at the sports book and caesar so it's gonna be a blast boys i hope we survive before the tailgate tour even starts <laughs> uh, it'll be a good warm-up <laughs> it, it will be a good warm up. Is there any kind of exercise where you do the worst part in the beginning and then it gets easier? Like, I don't, that seems backwards. That's, that's how torn hamstrings and everything. And <laughs> happens, lacerated so here we liver. Go. That's how that you know, happens. I, yeah. I had a football coach once. He was like, I've never seen a lion stretch before it chased a gazelle. That's the theory here. We're just shooting right out of the <laughs> gate. What? No warm up. Is that not a football guy quote if I've ever seen <laughs> that's one? That's like that uh, offensive line coach for the Browns who was like, they didn't stretch before they stormed Normandy or whatever <laughs> yeah, he said last year. On yeah. They trained for two and a half years, but they didn't stretch that morning before getting on the boat bob thanks a lot uh let's talk about other people losing their mind antonio brown uh we i don't even know what to say about this uh, there are so many things i want to say it has been a wild six months of antonio brown no longer than that nine months of him not playing week 17 and you got the yellow mustache and then you've got he's traded and we're all like fuck he got traded for three and five what a steal for the Raiders now he you know burns his own feet in a cryo chamber and lord knows what's going to happen there he won't play football because his helmet that has been retired by the NFL he's like I if I can't have my helmet I'm not playing football and then it comes out Sunday he told the NFL if he gets a head injury he will hold them responsible legally for the head injury because they won't let him wear his old helmet deep breath this guy's fucking crazy yeah i don't get it i've always supported ab and I, i've always said that he's one of the top receivers in the league and i know that he's probably on the decline of his career even before all this crazy shit happened but there's just something going on here i don't know who he thinks he is if the nfl is telling tom brady and aaron Rodgers that they can't wear a certain helmet I'm sorry, Antonio Brown, you're not wearing that fucking helmet either because those two guys are a little bit more important to this league than any other receiver. I mean, holy shit, man. Like, do you ever wonder sometimes if AB is just one of those people that he's only content if he has something to be unhappy about? Dude, I dated someone like that. It fucking sucks. There are tons (laughs) of people like this in the world. 
I mean, that coaching staff, and you know John Gruden, he's not going to go into this season, and he'll just start preparing without him, I think. I know AB is very vital to that team, and I know Raiders fans, uh, you know, we've been very high on the Raiders on this show, the rebuild of the Raiders, the new Raiders, but this is not a Raiders situation right now. Of course, it'll trickle down to them. This is an Antonio Brown, just, he's impossible. I don't know what else to say. I really don't. I've sided with him before where, listen, receivers that are that good are divas. Whatever, that happens all the time. It's fine. It doesn't really bother me that much. This is beyond that. Mm-hmm. This is where you're just an issue for everyone around you. And at some point, no matter how fucking good you are, you're not worth the headache because you're not reliable anymore. That's what a- that AB's issue is. And I don't Gr- care how good he is. He's not reliable. And Gruden and Mayock, they've always been talking this whole offseason about building like character and getting these high character guys through the draft that are going to come in and ready to win. And now the star receiver that they have isn't even at practice. His teammates don't even know where he is. Some of the things that they've said are like, oh, is he still throwing a fit about the helmet? Like, is this still an issue? It- it's really not looking good for them in Oakland. And I, I do feel bad for the Raiders fans because they deserve better than this after getting a star receiver going through this rebuild and I don't think that John Gruden is going to put up with it we already saw him cut Ronald Ollie uh, I, I know that. I know that Antonio Brown is a little bit better than Ronald Ollie but I don't think that he's going to put up with this nonsense for very long I loved that that he was like this dude doesn't want to play he's not listening he's out of here it is different when you're an undraft or whatever late round pick at D-line than the best receiver in football but I, I want to know what Mike Mayock is thinking right yeah. now. Because to leave a great job at NFL Network and go work for the Raiders and you pull off what looks like the trade of the century and then this happens. Like it's not it's not a good look. And maybe there's still time for this to be fixed, but it's not a good look when this makes it out into the news. So we'll monitor what happens. We'll let you know. Uh keep watching Hard Knocks. Yeah, hopefully we yeah, see it. it. I actually want to know, are they gonna address it on Hard Knocks? Because they've always had a reputation of that program being almost propaganda. Yeah. So will they actually talk about this player trying to derail this team's season? I, I'll be Man. anxious to watch. You can't you can't duck that. Now it wouldn't shock me if they do. But the Jets here, they were all over the Revis issue. Revis held out that summer yeah. for a while. And it was a big part of the show. And it was a good part of the show. I think this is the same situation where you have a player going AWOL and whether you want to talk about it or not, it's the elephant in the room in that camp. Yeah. And, and for that TV show as well. That's yeah, all, yeah, like exactly. Tuesday when it comes on, that's what everybody's watching for is the AB news. So we will figure out like how scripted is this? How much control do the Raiders have over it? Or is it really HBO coming in and saying, if shit goes down, we're going to show it? And they should. I hope they do. Uh, speaking of shit going down, boys, uh, I just wanted to to highlight the fact that I'm probably going to be depressed all football season because my team can't stay healthy. Mello called the it Chiefs the Chiefs got hurt? <laughs> Tom Brady's hurt? Uh, Mello <laughs> called it the curse of cap, and it continued Saturday night. The Niners, listen to this, they sat 30 players Good from the preseason God. opener. 30 of them. Now, here are the guys who were hurt headed into the game. Three running backs, chiefly Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Trent Taylor, uh, Sean Coleman gets Trent Taylor gets hurt. Sean Coleman gets hurt. Josh Garnett set out. Weston Rickberg set out. Uh, D Ford set out. Nick Bosa set out. Ark Armstead set out. Uh, I mean, it's just it's one after another. And they had four more injuries happen early in this game with Sean Coleman and Trent Taylor being the big ones. I mean, Jason Verrett's hurt. It's just they cannot get healthy. They cannot stay healthy. 
it's an epidemic right now. I cannot think of any team outside of the Chargers a few years ago who have had more just season crippling injuries in the last few years than the Niners. Yeah, should have brought your quarterback back. (laughs) The New York Mets. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good. Not anymore, but uh, well, knock on wood. Holy shit! Um, A couple years ago, yeah. Yeah, a couple of years ago. I, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. The Niners went from being the team that was taking every guy in college that had a torn knee and stashing them for a year to the team where if you go to the Niners, you're going to tear your knee. And it sucks. I'm not like celebrating this or laughing about it. I just I don't really know the answer anymore. I, I, this team has to win football games. They have to, right, Matt? Like, Kyle they sh- have to. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have front to. Off, yeah. I was talking to someone about it this weekend, and it's like, when you look at how Kansas City managed D Ford, he did not practice a whole lot. And it was because, okay, we need him on Sunday. We know that there's some issues with the knee. And he goes to San Francisco, and it's almost like they're, it's like, hey, run the hill. Like, uh, well, uh, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't, do I don't really do that, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. But it's like, they just, they're... I don't know if it's like old school practices or if it's I re, I truly don't know the answer if it's you know a, an outdated medical staff like philosophy but it's it's definitely concerning as a Niners fan and hopefully I know we have a lot of Niners fans who listen to this and it would be easy for y'all to just be pissed and be like oh Matt's just a fucking Chiefs fan but like no open your eyes we should be concerned about the number of injuries that happen on this team some of it is the draft philosophy of oh it's okay that guy's been hurt in college we're not worried about it but it's also alarming how many injuries the Niners suffer. Yeah, as a guy who's not a Niners fan from the outside looking in, uh, you always see it, uh, of course, on the defensive line. And with the quarterback last year, McKinnon is a guy that I've been waiting to see with the 49ers. It really sucks for you guys. So Something weird is going on there. Guys, it is time to wrap up preseason week one. And boy, howdy, do we need a sponsor for this segment? It just would sound good. I'm not going to throw any suggestions out there. I put one on Twitter. There just fishing. Just wrap Anything up. that involved wrapping something. Right. Presents. Gift wrapping. Right. Saran wrap. Anything. Any kind of wrapping. Leftovers. That, right. Exactly. <laughs> kids. Potential kids. A lot of wrapping up that could be done as a segment sponsor here. Hit us up. Let's jump into it, though. Game by game. We're going to go rapid fire. Starting Thursday night, Connor was at this game. It happened after Mello and I recorded. Giants 31, Jets 20. Or not at the game. Sorry, you were watching the game. Giants 31, <laughs> say, Jets Whoa. 22. Uh, you were there. I, I didn't was. tell you. You were there. <laughs> Daniel Jones though, looked electric, guys. 5 of 5, 67 yards, 1 TD. Maybe quieted some of the hate that he was getting. Yeah, and I don't even know how great he looked, but I tell you, this is a guy that I'm rooting for. I've said it a million times here before. Uh, him going 5-5 five and five with 67 yards, and even on the touchdown, which on any given Sunday, that's probably going to be a pass breakup. I'm just <laughs> glad that he can finally maybe quiet some of the doubters that are New York Giants fans. I can't believe that there's a fan base so actively rooting against a quarterback that they just took six overall. For sure. I think for Daniel Jones, it's nice to, after you know just a lot of the um, dragging, which I'll admit to some of that, it's nice to come out there, have a really good drive, uh, make all your throws, obviously not look lost. Hopefully he gets to play a lot more in future preseason games, and hopefully he gets a chance against... I know a lot of people said it was a mix of ones and twos. I, I really would like to see him come out and start and open a game and, and see what he has for that. So a really nice start for Daniel Jones. Yeah, Bills 24, Colts 16. Biggest takeaway for me here is still no Andrew Luck. 
Still, still not practicing, still out with the calf injury. So I think that's the thing to monitor. Otherwise, I mean, this was really just not that exciting of a ball game. Yeah, you had the Bills rugby player come in and make a big play. That was cool. But I, I still think that you're right that the Andrew Luck thing with the calf injury, it just it reminds me too much of the shoulder thing that he went through and, and still not being right. Not playing in the preseason uh, really doesn't matter. But we'll see what happens because there are a lot of reports talking about maybe he's going to miss time uh, when the regular season comes along. I really liked what I saw from Devin Singletary in this game. I think these first two games we're talking about here, it was nice to see the Jets use Jamison Crowder on that drive where Sam Darnold went right yeah. up the field for six. It was nice for the Bills, who have questioned really the oldest backfield in football right now, Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy. It was nice to Possibly see their... ever? <laughs> yeah, ever, right? Ever. Ancient. It was nice to see their rookie running back really flash. So for the Jets and Bills, nice way of showing off those new skill players. Yeah, I I definitely liked what we saw from Jamison Crowder. Titans 27, Eagles 10. Nate Sudfeld gets hurt. The Eagles' depth at quarterback is completely gone right now. But on the Titans' side of things, Ryan Tannehill throws two touchdowns. I think he's making a strong case for QB1, or at least maybe we see them split some reps. I think that he's going to make a case for it. I think that that, that fan base and that organization has seen enough of Marcus Mariota to kind of know that Maybe this isn't going to work out. Maybe we should make this an active competition. My favorite part of this game was watching uh, Taylor Lewan, like go block and cut a guy and then get up and catch up to the running back and lay another block like 30 yards downfield. And this is a guy that's going to miss some games early, but to still go out and have that effort in the preseason was amazing. For me, it was exciting to see Rashawn Evans just come out healthy out of the gate. That was something that just didn't happen last summer during his rookie camp. And he came out and is going to start at linebacker for this Titans team. And I think he's going to be a damn, damn good one. Yeah, he did look. I'm very excited to see what he can do this year. Dolphins 34, Falcons 27. To me, this is all about the fact that Josh Rosen played a ton. And he impressed in Williams, a player that um, I really liked on film and really didn't like much off the field. They seem to have a connection. Preston got back to looking like he did at Colorado State with the jump ball ability. Um, yes, he bombed his pro day, but he actually looks like a good football player. Yeah, and I think that there's something building there with Rosen and Williams. Uh, you could even see it when Rosen gets pressured. He's bailing out, and he's looking for Preston Williams almost immediately. I think those are two guys that need to get more first-string reps together and see if they can grow and, and be a good combination of quarterback-receiver because I'm just not sold on the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. Like I, It's not working for me. Let's just put Rosen in there. Come on. I look at this Dolphins team, and it's one of those situations where you kind of got a trial year if you're Brian Flores. You're not going to be fired. If you go, if you don't win a game, I don't think you're going to be fired. Go see what you have with these guys. Let Rosen and Preston Williams maybe build a connection and play some really, really meaningful snaps this year. So it was exciting to see those two work together. Patriots 31, Lions 2. Uh, this was not a pretty ball game. For the Lions, it was very pretty for Jarrett Stidham and Jacoby Myers. Jacoby, probably the more impressive of the two, but I thought Stidham played very, very well in his NFL debut. Did Stidham play well? That's something I, I wasn't keeping close tabs on it or, or all the great throws that he made and even the drop passes that some of his guys had. I just I didn't really take any notes on that game or the excellent play of Jared Stidham. I don't think your sarcasm is picking up. I mean, what stands oh. out to me here and with this game is that Jacoby Myers might start for New England after going undrafted. That's just, it's crazy, but he's been taking legitimate reps in camp with starting players, and now he goes into the preseason and plays, you know, fantastic. And I know Nikhil Harry flashed a little bit, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Myers maybe get more starting reps out of the gate. 
Browns 30, Redskins 10, Dwayne Haskins struggled, Baker Mayfield did not, 5 of 6, 77 yards and a TD against a, a defense that I expected to be pretty good, and I know it's week, it's week one of the preseason, let's not overreact to everything, but that defense did not look as good as I had expected. Well, and that Browns offense marched right down the field in no time. I mean, I clicked on the game. I wanted to see the opening drive and what it was going to look like. And it was over in like 30 seconds, it seemed like, for a driver. I mean, just very quick, right down the field. I know it's preseason week one, but man, that offense looks special. Yeah, my biggest question right now is what is this Browns offense going to look like when Odell Beckham is on the field? That's just how crazy this group can be. They have me really excited. When you look at Washington, I just want to see Darius Geis play. That's what it is for yeah. me right now. I'm sitting here waiting. Yeah, I think we all are. Ravens 29, Jags 0. Uh, Jags offense looked just anemic. Lamar Jackson played well, but I still believe it deserves some context because it looked like a lot of prescribed, easy throws for him right out of the gate. We did not see him utilized as a runner. I wonder how much of what we saw in that opener is what we'll actually get from Lamar down the road. Yeah, I wonder about that too. And I think that defenses will be able to catch on very quickly to more of a scripted offense. But of course, once the regular season starts, He's going to be able to move around. I'm sure that he was told by coaching staff, like, you are not getting out of the pocket. Here are your four throws or whatever, and then you're getting out of there. Like, no need to risk it here. But I, I'm excited to see this offense and what they can do once the, pre- or once the regular season starts and even what they're going to do in the rest of these preseason games. I fully believe this Ravens team isn't going to show us a single thing in the preseason. I think the offensive line looks good because they are a good unit. I think offensively, we're just not going to see anything. I think they're going to be very, very creative during the regular season, and they just there's no reason to show your hand during the preseason. But I am excited to see what they have in store. Speaking of not showing your hand, the Houston Texans throw the ball 40 times with Joe Webb in a two-point loss to the Packers. Packers 28, Texans 26. Um, This was a sloppy, high-scoring game, in my opinion. We just did not see a lot. There were almost no starters, really, of note playing for either team. Um, Equinemius St. Brown, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, had a pretty good catch for the Packers. But otherwise, this was one where you're really evaluating the third string. I don't get why Joe Webb took so many snaps. They have four guys on the roster. Like, I get Deshaun Watson, whatever. Don't play him. I, I don't care. But having, like, A.J. McCarron is there on roster. Uh, Jordan Tiamo out of Ole Miss is there, too. Like, why not share the wealth a little bit more in this first preseason game? I guess maybe they're just trying to, to decide, can Joe Webb play quarterback? And maybe they have their answer now. Besides that, some of those offensive linemen that were out there against Green Bay, uh, we're just letting people have a free run at the quarterback, which is something we've seen in Houston for a very long time. So maybe that's why. Poor Joe Webb is, is just a <laughs> fall guy. He's a preseason fall guy right now in Houston. Panthers 23, Bears 13. We did not see Cam Newton. We did not see Mitchell Trubisky. We did see a little bit of David Montgomery, three rushes, three catches. Uh, but Brian Burns also flashed in this game. The Panthers' first-round pick uh, had one sack, I believe, maybe two. Burns looked flashy as hell but not against the Bears' front line. Yeah, Burns was a guy that I really changed my opinion on throughout that whole draft process. And honestly, a lot of it was the interview when he came on the show and talked to us, uh, but showing that he can play at that weight and still with the elite level get off that he had off the ball. Uh, great showing there that he can maybe even get to the passer and he might look be to be one of the best pass rushers from this rookie class. I don't want to, um, you know, just blow it all here, but watching David Montgomery even on just a couple of touches was a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, it was just a lot of fun. You could see even on the play that 
holding was called. He still creates yards on his own. He still takes three people to tackle him. So this was one of those games that was actually fun because you had somebody on each side of the ball that you really wanted to see. Two sacks for Brian Burns. My apologies. Don't want to short change him. Seahawks 22, Broncos 14. No Russell Wilson. We did see Drew Locke play better in this one after a really poor showing in the Hall of Fame game. I thought Locke rebounded well um, in some you know backup showings, but they did a great job of leaving him out there, uh, giving him extended reps, and I thought he, he played well kind of battling through some things and learning. I mean, that's the key for him this year is just to learn a little bit. So I thought he he had an excellent throw to Troy Fumagalli. He had a good throw to Nick Williams. Locke showed some impressive things in his second game. And I think the most important thing for Drew Locke was the bounce back off of a poor performance. His, his first game in the preseason really struggled, and a lot of people were saying this is the Drew Locke that we knew all along. But I think that he was able to play within himself more in the second game against the Seahawks and started to show kind of the potential that we... that I thought was going to be there towards the end of the draft process. So I am glad to see him bounce back. And we've still got a lot more games coming for the Broncos. So I I do want to see what he does in this next showing. It's a tough assignment going out in that Hall of Fame game. It really is. I mean, you're a rookie. You've had no time you're just you're out there. It's, it's really it's barely a scrimmage. I mean, it really is. So it was fun for Locke to come out in this game. It was also cool. I know Gino missed him, but DK smoked someone. Mm. Absolutely smoked someone. If Gino puts that ball anywhere where it needs to be over the top, uh, we're going to see DK Metcalf and Russ Wilson have some big plays this year. Cardinals 17, Chargers 13. This is all about the debut of K1. And he looked, I, I told him when Melo and I were doing radio Saturday, I said, I don't know if it was the lighting or that he's so short, but he looked like Mighty Mouse out there. Just bing, 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 like he scooting tiny. all over the field. He did look tiny, but he also looked fast as hell. Yeah, and he's going to need to be because that offensive line looked terrible. <laughs> yeah, you can see man. that he he really wasn't able to stay in the pocket. This is a guy that's probably going to be running for his life the whole season. Uh, he might have to be my candidate for leading rusher from quarterback because I think if he stays healthy, he's going to play 16 games, and that dude is going to be running all over the field. Without a doubt. it's um, This offense is going to be interesting. It was fun to see K1 you know, he just, that's who he is. He's electric. He's absolutely electric. Everything looks so natural when he's throwing the football. I think it's going to be, like you guys said, one of those years where, you know, he's going to, not everything's going to be perfect. It's going to take some time to really build them up in the trenches, get that offense down pat. But every time he's on TV, it's must watch TV. Yeah, absolutely has been. Steelers 30, Bucks 28. James Washington, the star of this one, four catches, 84 yards and a touchdown as he fights to be that number two receiver, replacing the craziness of Antonio Brown with some good production. And the thing that the big takeaway from this game for me is that there was a kneel down to end it. I fucking hate that in the preseason. <laughs> I don't care if you're up by two on your own 10. Go for it. Throw the ball. I Just get rid of it. Run some plays. See what you have. Nobody wants to see you come out and kneel during a preseason game. Game. No, it's that's I mean, that's what it's not what it's for. You have these and I guess people are so worried about anyone getting hurt. But when it comes down to it, I, I don't know, like just use all the reps you can. Everybody we were right. you know what I mean? Kicking in the NFL is so bad. Let well, we, kick. Yeah, we watched on Hard Knocks <laughs> yeah. how they're so worried about Jonathan Abram, you know, hurting someone on the team, and they're like, Well, wait till you know what I mean? Like the the coaches preach so much. Hey, we can't hit any of our own guys anymore. You yep. got to. It sucks, but that's why people go. Oh well. There's first off. There's too many preseason games, which is a whole other problem. But 
the bigger issue is nobody's hitting in camp anymore. They go into these preseason games. It's like the Super Bowl for some people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. If you're like a fourth string guy, trying that's to what make I mean. Roster, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're just taking these wild shots. Yeah. No, absolutely is, man. Uh, you got to hit yourself into shape. Chiefs 38, Bengals 17. I'm just going to let Mello take this away. Go for it. I was going to say, I could probably spend like 30 minutes on this game alone, uh, but it, it was the Bengals who I don't think are going to have a very successful season. But the real, again, the takeaway for me was Miko Hardman coming in with the first teamers and, and staying in for a little bit longer. He looks like he's going to be pretty special. And, and I know Connor has talked about him a lot before, but now I think that I'm really sold. I thought he was going to have... A uh, mediocre rookie season, kind of getting his feet wet, finding a spot in this offense. I think Andy Reid already has a role for him, and I think it's going to be pretty important for the Chiefs. Yeah, for so long we've talked about how Miko was the insurance for Tyreek, but now it looks like Miko is just another piece of the puzzle. That's what's so fun. You have Tyreek out there, whoever you have out there, it doesn't matter. You add Miko to this mix, not subtract someone else and add him. You truly add him as another piece. I mean, my goodness, if you give him any kind of daylight, it's over. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. And and I want to say Derwin Thompson looked good as well. He hurdled somebody late in the game. Um, it, this was a fun one. My team, though, Niners 17, Cowboys 9. Hey, we won a game. Feels good. Go. That's right. Uh, baby, Jaylen you're back. Hurt. And everyone right. stayed hurt. Ha- oh, oh, no. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> Jalen Hurd, two touchdowns. Uh, it was exciting to see the rookies get involved. We're going to talk a little bit more about them in the next segment. But uh, for me, this is definitely there's the overshadow of the injuries. But it was nice to see. Uh, Nick Mullins play a lot and some of the young guys get involved. Two of the stars at receiver, I thought Hurd and Debo Samuel both played very well and and looked very good. Uh, Jalen Hurd really impressed me. Y'all know we can't do a show without giving you our superlatives, our list of the week. Let's go standout player, boys. I'm going to take Mac Wilson, linebacker from Alabama. Two interceptions in week one of the preseason. I loved this dude, and it was so nice to see. Oh, the Browns made him a fifth-round pick. I thought he was a round-two player. He dominates week one of the preseason. Yeah, and I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, One of their breakout players that I predicted on one of our earlier episodes was Josh Jackson, the corner out of Iowa. And I thought he looked really impressive in week one, comes away with an interception. He allowed one catch on nine targets. Uh, I know that you can say whatever you want about the ones and the twos and the starters and the depth, but I liked what I saw out of Josh Jackson in week one for the Packers. And he's someone that they really need him to live up to the billing in that secondary. It could change their entire dynamic of the season with how many other defensive pieces they've added now in that unit. I went with Preston Williams here. We talked about him earlier in the show. I just think, I mean, us three talked about for so long, this was always a round one talent. Everything else was such an issue. Now you get him on the field, no hiccups so far, fingers crossed. He's been a star in the Dolphins training camp. And he was a star on the field. He's somebody that makes the quarterback so much better. And to see that translate onto an NFL field after all of the issues he's had, but the talent's always been there. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It was exciting to watch. Let's go on the other side of this, guys. The biggest letdown for me was Breland Speaks. I was expecting so much from him. Second year uh, defensive end out of Ole Miss. Thought, oh my God, he's finally in a 4-3. This is exactly what the Chiefs need. He is a sandwich away from playing D-tackle. Uh, I think he might have had that sandwich already, but I, I agree with you. <laughs> Biggest letdown for me. I was, I'm going with Dwayne Haskins. I really expected more out of him. 
uh, coming into this offense. A lot of people talking about he might be the day one starter over guys like Case Keenum, Colt McCoy. I didn't see that when we watched him play. I, I think that he's a guy that's going to have a learning curve, and maybe he comes out and he performs more uh, a little bit better next week. But some of the throws, I think, are going to be picked off when you're going against the ones. He didn't show me anything that says that he should play uh, ahead of some of these other quarterbacks. For me, it was just the, the wide receiver injuries that are kind of building up here for players that we expect to make a big impact. Paris Campbell is a little banged up in Colts camp. I think they expect him to make an impact. Then, do you want to talk about the tease of the century? Melo, I know you were feeling this one. Nikhil Harry comes out and is just making spectacular catches, and it looks like he was a little banged up. Hopefully, he's it's just precautionary, but you'd love to see all these rookie wide receivers stay healthy after... Guys, how many injuries have we seen to rookie wide receivers over the last couple of years? When you go Mike Williams, Corey Davis, John Ross, I mean, they're piling up, and I just don't want to see that again after how much promise this class really has. Favorite moment from week one, guys. For me, I'm going to go Homer here. It was Jalen Hurd just running through, folks, <laughs> the two touchdowns. And it's so hard for me because I really didn't like him at Tennessee a whole lot because like, he's this big running back and – you know, he he wanted to play receiver, and they wouldn't let him. Be, and then they have Alvin Kamara behind him. He goes to Baylor. You kind of forget about him for a while. Then when he gets on the field, Baylor sucks, so he doesn't really have anyone who can help him. He, I think, is going to be a very big difference maker. Uh, I can remember talking to people in San Francisco before the draft that said, don't be surprised if we take a number two tight end early because look what we have in Kittle. If we could get another athletic tight end, no one's going to be able to guard them. Jalen Hurd might not be a tight end. He might not be a receiver. He might not be a running back. I think he's just an offensive weapon. So seeing how they utilized him was a lot of fun for me. And I'll talk about Jalen Hurd a little bit more. My favorite moment from the preseason so far, it was Daniel Jones' touchdown. And say what you want about it, I, I don't care. I want to see him be successful. I want to see all the Giants fans that have criticized him just shit their pants when this guy's a good quarterback, <laughs> even though I really don't believe that he's going to be. I, I want to be wrong <laughs> on this draft prospect. I want him to be better than Eli Manning, and I want every Giants fan that has ever booed him to have to eat crow and be like, well, shit, he's actually pretty good. I'll eat it with you. I hope he's good. I love this touchdown. I mean, this one won't surprise anyone. It was Miko's touchdown just because the speed does not look like anything we've seen before. I don't know how you guys felt. I was like, I haven't seen an NFL player run that fast straight ahead. It's just so in natural, a long time. too. It's natural. He, it's literally an NFL blitz turbo button against a ton of people that do not have one. The only and, other guy like that is his teammate. Yeah, it's true. And maybe we'll see Hollywood Brown, hopefully. Maybe him too. I don't know. I, I still think Cole's faster on a football field. I always explain football field speed versus any other kind of speed. It's just different, and Cole has it. Rookie, you nailed. This is something we're probably going to do every Monday morning. A rookie that we uh, liked that had a good game. And guess what? We're going to give you the rookies we didn't like that had a good game or vice versa. Uh, rookie, you know, for me is Debo Samuel. I had him ranked early round two, which is where he got drafted. So that was right. But seeing it now on the field, seeing how well it translated, I thought he was the most pro-ready receiver in this year's draft class thanks to his experience at South Carolina and the multiple ways he can be utilized. He's such a good fit for Kyle Shanahan. So Debo Samuel is my pat on the back. Yeah, and I'm going with Jared Stidham. I joked earlier that I didn't watch that game. I watched every fucking second that he threw the ball. This was my quarterback one, and he fell to the fourth round. And even throughout the draft process, I said that you guys, you know, wait, take a Jared Stidham type guy in the second round. There's no need to to 
reach for one of these quarterbacks in the first round, but I thought he really came out and played very well. I think a lot of that has to do with the system that he's playing in with the Patriots. It's just a great fit. We talk about that all the time. Perfect landing spot for him to come and learn behind Tom Brady, behind Hoyer, with Belichick, and that group of guys, the receivers and the talent that they have on offense. I was very happy to see him play well, and I really hope and I think that it's going to be a trend that we continue to see with Jared Stidham. Well, Melo, I hope he's starting next year. That's all I'll say with that. So, <laughs> uh, for me, it was David Montgomery. All I needed to see was like two plays, and I was good. Uh, the one screen pass, though, what he did to that defender, it was about five yards before the marker, and I think the defender was like, holy shit, this man is jacked, and he's quick, and he's fast, and I don't know what to do. And David Montgomery got the first down. He scored a touchdown. I just love this player, and I think in this offense where there's not an overwhelming amount of pressure on him, he's going to thrive right away. How about some misses, boys? Because uh, I think we need to do that, too. Uh, it's call out. Hey. Oh, it's fair. fair I might have been wrong about this. Uh, I'm going to go with Tony Pollard. I had a round seven grade on him, like we talked about in uh, a little bit earlier. I did not see how he was ever going to be more than just a gadget guy, but hearing the way the Cowboys are talking about him makes me wonder if if I missed it. I always knew that like he had a, a skill set, but being able to visualize it and see how he was going to fit into an offense, I, I think Tony Pollard might be the better player. I thought Mike Weber would be the better back of the two the Cowboys picked up, but now it's looking like Tony Pollard's got some skills. Yeah, I agree with you. I would have had... Weber ahead of him too and maybe he was just buried behind Henderson who's going to be a pretty damn good running back too. The guy that I missed on is Jalen Hurd you talked about earlier I really wondered about his work ethic after the whole quitting at Tennessee thing saying that he wanted to switch positions I really just I didn't get it I didn't understand it and then the different roles that they played him at Baylor I didn't know how it would transition to the NFL I didn't know what position he was going to play but really I don't think that matters anymore I think the guy's just going to go out there catch passes Labeling what you want, a tight end, a receiver, he looked very impressive this week. For me, I got to see him really, you know, firsthand. It was one of the first games I watched. Corey Ballantyne on the Giants. The Giants need to rebuild this secondary and pass rush. And that means at some point, you got to hit on a pick that's not a first rounder. It, you do. And Ballantyne was a sixth round pick. He, you know, went through some tragedy right as his NFL career started. And it's just impressive to come out and play the way he did. I know. Actually, we got to see in his performance Adam Gase challenge the new pass interference challenge, and it went against Ballantyne. The next series, he came out and was just as physical and bounced back really strong from it. So if the Giants can get anything from a sixth-round corner, we saw that from Ballantyne night number one. It would just be a gigantic boost for that young defense. It is draft on draft time. It is just me and Mello Connor is watching his Mets play. Spoiler alert, they lose. Ouch. Ah, so close. So Get him close. next year. Andrew Harbaugh wants to know, with the unfortunate injury to Trent Taylor, do you see Debo Samuel locking up the slot receiver spot in camp and the preseason since that spot is now open? Or do you see him being most efficient, effective, excuse me, working on the outside? I'm really surprised that we're to the point where a Trent Taylor injury leads draft on draft, but that's just how the season's going for the Niners. I think that Debo Samuel was always drafted to be I think to work a lot from the slot, but in Kyle Shanahan's offense, I think guys like that can work inside or outside. To me, I think this really puts pressure on Dante Pettis to try to step up. He has been kind of spotty so far in camp. 
with the injuries that this team has suffered, uh, Jalen Hurd's going to have to be a big player. And I, I think Debo will have to show off his ability to play from the slot and outside. Yeah, I mean, you took pretty much everything that I was going to say about it. I think Debo was the guy that was supposed to kind of take over that job. Even if Trent Taylor is healthy, I, I think Debo would have eventually taken that spot in that role. I think now he's just going to be in it a little bit sooner than what we expected him to. And, of course, with Pettis and Goodwin on the outside, I think that was kind of always the plan for Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. Yep, Charlie Maleska, he's got a two-parter. Number one, what is the best overall positional unit in the NFL, and what's the worst? So I have kind of a an off-the-radar one. I'm going to take the Cowboys linebackers. Sean Lee, Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith. Yeah, I mean, Sean Lee is kind of the underdog there, even though he's been right. doing it for a very long time. For the best, I'm going to go Homer. I really think it's probably the Chiefs receivers. After what we saw with McCole Hardman, I really think that's going to be a special group. If you had Travis Kelsey into that with the pass catchers, I think Kelsey's the best tight end in football. Um, Tyreek's up there. Sammy Watkins, probably going to get phased out just by how good McCole Hardman looks. What about the worst? I think it might be the Bengals' offensive line. (laughs) <laughs> I think the Bengals can probably take the... I mean, the Bengals receivers are probably some of the worst position groups. With A.J. Green out. The Bengals quarterbacks are probably some of the worst position groups. Here's the only one that I think could be worse. The Cardinals offensive line might be worse than the Bengals offensive line. Yeah, I mean, they're both bad. And then Jonah Williams being hurt right now, that's that's a tough look for the Bengals. Yeah, it is. I mean, the Dolphins have... I think the Dolphins' D-line is one of the worst as well. Guys like Charles Harris and Christian Wilkins, if they can come on, that can change a little bit. But the Dolphins' D-line, I was looking at them a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, man, this is not good. Not a big fan of that. All right, follow-up question, part two. If you had to take one of the worst and best to start a team with, which are you choosing? So if I were starting a team, I'm going to obviously want the best quarterback depth chart. Like I would, Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett. Like that's what I want to start with because you have to have the quarterback. Now, if it's going to be the worst, huh, I would probably take the worst linebacker core, which I, I don't even know who that would be off the top of my head. It, it actually might be Cincinnati. They might just be that bad. So, I, But I think it's got to be the quarterbacks. And I think you could get, get away with a bad linebacker core, or at least an, you know one that's not dominant if you have a good pass rush and you have a good secondary. Yeah, and if I'm taking a, the worst to start, I, I think the Bengals' offensive line is very bad, but I do think that there are some young guys on there that maybe you could build around with a Billy Price at center. They took him in the first round last year, and then Jonah Williams, their first-round pick this year. I think those are two pieces that you can build around. And then you do have some maybe some veterans like a Cordy Glenn that you could keep around for a while, and eventually you're going to replace them. So if I'm taking one of the worst groups, I, I think the Bengals Bengals do have some promise there and some potential with those two guys and Billy Price and Jonah Williams. Yeah, and I look, the Raiders linebacker core is also really bad. They're really bad. I mean, to, re- to hear Whitehead, Vontez, Perfect, Brandon Marshall. Yeah, when Perfect is in your starting lineup, that's probably not a good sign for anyone. And, and the Raiders, I mean, that's, that's a tough look with what you're trying to do and everything else that's already going on in that locker room. Jeremy Godden, new member of the Stick to Football Hall of Fame, so Welcome. congratulations to him. Can't wait to see your quarter zip. Which running back do you think would have the most success in their respective offense and if they are starting the starting back come week one? Austin Eckler with the Chargers or Tony Pollard with the Cowboys? Austin Eckler, when I was re-watching that game, it's like, oh, this dude's got some scoot. Then he fumbled at the goal yeah. line. It's like, ah! So I will take Tony Pollard, who uh, we talked about earlier in the show. I was not super high on coming out of Memphis 
Um, he was kind of a gadget guy. I didn't really know how well that fit. But the Cowboys are singing this dude's praises left and right. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that has to do with Zeke Elliott and his probably a good amount holdout. But I'll I'll take Eckler. That's fine because I think that the Chargers have already shown that they're okay with him being the running back to start the season, maybe even to finish the season for them. Uh, they have no problems there, so I don't either. I think Eckler, he can come in and get the job done. He might not be the Pro Bowl running back that Melvin Gordon was, but, I mean, hot take alert. I don't think Melvin Gordon was really that important to that offense and what they were doing. I know that he's had a lot of success over the years, but I think that Austin Eckler can come in and, and provide the same kind of support for a guy like Phillip Rivers and, and get enough done in the running game that they're still going to be a good football team. Last question from Roman Tomasoff. If we take a look back at the first two years of Corey Davis's career, would you consider him more of a bust or a victim of circumstance? Uh, and, and he said the circumstance being terrible quarterback play. I think more of a victim of circumstance because I always felt like he was drafted too early. A five overall was too early for him. That's not his fault. And then just, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy when he was healthy. He doesn't really have, I mean, Mariota has not been good. Let's be honest about it. So I don't know if it's fair to call him a bust, but it is fair to say that he has not lived up to his draft stock. No, not when you're the number five overall pick. You have to come in early and perform. And doing so at receiver is very difficult, regardless of where you're picked. So I think it's actually probably a little bit of both. I think there were really high expectations for him because he was the number five overall pick, with first receiver taken, and everybody wanted him to be something special. But at the same time, Mariota has not been a successful quarterback. Uh, they struggled to get anybody the ball. So I think it's actually a little bit of both going on there in Tennessee. Yeah, and he actually did not play in the preseason opener. It sounded like they were just resting him. I don't think it's anything to be read into, like, oh, are they going to trade him? Last year, we saw a bit of a breakout, 65 catches, almost 900 yards, four TDs, but uh, needs more. We need to see a lot more this year in year three, um, and they're going to have a decision to make on him as a first-round pick if they're going to grab that fifth year option so this this needs to be a big year for him all right that is our show thank you guys for hanging out with us don't forget we will be in vegas all next week doing shows from caesar's palace so if you're in the las vegas area or if you just happen to be there while we are connor and i will be doing three shows that week Mellow's flying in we're gonna be hosting a pre-game event before the Miami Hurricanes Florida Gators game on saturday that starts at noon local time in caesar's palace so we're gonna have a blast I'm probably going to be like the dude off uh, Weekend at Bernie's by Saturday. Yeah, just walking Bernie, around. Not the other two. You and Connor will be dragging me around dead. Yes, pretty much. That's what it's going to be. All right. <laughs> Don't forget, leave that great iTunes review. Five stars are appreciated. And uh, I'll give you a firm handshake if I ever see you, if you, if you left them. We'll talk to you guys real soon. 